Welcome to Next on the Tee with Chris Mascaro, where PGA and LPGA players, legends, and the top instructors in the game share their insights and playing lessons. Join Chris every Tuesday night as he talks with the greats of the game. Tonight's show is sponsored by the French Lick Resort, the PGA Tour Superstore, the Bobby Jones Apparel Company, Ben Hogan Golf, Two Under, Taylor Made Golf, and Golf Pride. Now, here's your host, Chris Mascaro. Good evening, folks, and welcome to Next on the Tee. I hope you and yours are staying safe and everybody is healthy. Can't thank you enough for coming back and being a part of the show again this week. Tonight, I have some great friends who are great instructors and players that are going to be joining me. I'm going to get some more tips for you that can help you you work from home, keep your game sharp while you're there. We'll also hear some great stories and perspective from inside the ropes. So you know what? Sit back. Relax, let us take your mind off everything else going on in your life for a little while. My first guest tonight is going to be Jim Estes. Jim is annually named as one of the top instructors in the game. He's located in Olney, Maryland, just north of Washington, D.C. So if you're in that part of the country, please go see Jim to get some help with your game. Jim is also the co-founder of the Salute Military Golf Association. He and his team do great work teaching our wounded veterans either how to play the game or how to relearn how to play the game. We'll hear what's going on with them in the SMGA when Jim joins me. Also want to get some drills from him. He's going to be one of the instructors tonight that we'll get some drills you can do from home. Also want to talk to Jim about his experience at the 2017 Senior PGA Championship. Jim finished as a top club professional in the tournament that year. So want to get some insights from him on that. Really excited to have Jim as part of the show. He'll join me again here in just a few minutes. Following him, I'm going to get a return visit from a good friend, Donnie Hammond. We'll hear how things are going down there in Orlando. That's where Donnie lives now. He's from Maryland, so we've kind of kind of got a Maryland theme going tonight. And speaking of which, Donnie and a, another great player from Maryland, Lee Elder, were friends and were referred to as the connection. They referred to each other as the connection because of those Maryland ties when they got together. We'll talk about that. Plus, if Lee ever talked to him about the struggles that he had when he was starting to come out on tour, Lee was the first African-American to qualify to play in the Masters. So we'll touch on their friendship as well. Looking forward to having Donnie back on the show. He'll join me about a half an hour from now. Then we'll round out tonight's show with a visit from our resident director of instruction, Tom Patrick. I sent TP a video of my golf swing via the V1 golf app. We'll hear his analysis of my swing, and I'm sure the 42 things he thinks I need to do differently in order to play better golf. So TP will be back and joining me about 45 minutes from now. So there you have it, folks. More great stories, tips, and information coming your way tonight on this edition of Next on the Tee. And as always, thank you so much for tuning in and taking the journey with me tonight. want to start out by saying hello to my friends Mitch and Matthew Lawrence and remind you about their great golf shows. Please check out Mitch's podcast. It's called Talking Golf Getaways. You can stream it online at golftripx.com. It's also available on Audioboom, Stitcher, and Player.fm as well. Mitch and his co-host, Darren Bunch, they take you around the U.S. and Canada to some of the great places you can go stay and play. Plus, they also let you know about some of the hidden gem courses you might not be aware of. Go online to GolfTripX.com and check out their podcast. Matthew's show is called Backspin Golf. It's my regular Sunday morning, 8.03 a.m. Eastern Tea Time. 
You can stream his show online by going to WLXG.com or download the WLXG app. He features our good friend Perry French in the first segment every week, so you know a lot of great golf tips and content are going to be right there at the top of the show. Matthew also has a lot of great guests every week. He's a wonderful friend and a fantastic host. Check out his show. Again, it's called Backspin Golf, and it's on ESPN Radio, WLXG, and WLXG.com. Please also check out our friends at the Bobby Jones Apparel Company by going online to bobbyjones.com. They've got their spring collection out now, and their new spring sweaters, polos, and pants are all fantastic. You're going to see Steve Stricker, Miguel and El Jimenez, and Ernie Els wearing them out on the Champions Tour. Check it out online by going to bobbyjones.com and enter the coupon code on the T to save 20% at checkout. And folks, this segment of the show is brought to you by our friends over at TaylorMade and TaylorMade Sim, featuring the new Sim driver designed with a radical new head shape to make the driver both fast and forgiving where you need it most on the downswing. Sim irons with an improved speed bridge and echo dampening system to deliver a distance iron with forge-like feel. And the Sim Fairway Woods with low CG to help you hit it higher and a V-Steel sole to launch it even easier from any lie. Get fit for Sim throughout your entire bag and experience the effect it's going to have on your entire game. Check it out online at TaylorMadeGolf.com for more information on the all-new Sim family. All right, now back with me here on Next on the T is PGA professional Jim Estes. Let me remind you about Jim's background. He's from Washington, D.C., started off playing his college golf at the University of Tennessee before transferring back home to the University of Maryland. He won the 1985 Maryland Amateur Championship, turned pro in 1988. He played on what was then the Hogan Tour, now we know it as the Corn Ferry Tour, and won the 1989 Greater Ozarks Open. In 1995, Jim was the PGA of America National Player of the Year. In 96, he won the Nike Inland Empire Open. Off the course in 2007, Jim was recognized with Golf Magazine's Innovator Award. That same year, Jim co-founded the Salute Military Golf Association, which you've heard me talking about for years, for the great things he and his team are doing to help our wounded service veterans either learn or relearn the game of golf. In 2008, Jim was recognized with the Mid-Atlantic Section's President's Award for outstanding contributions to the local community. He was the Mid-Atlantic Section Player of the Year that same year, and in 2010, he won the PGA Patriotic Award. Jim has been recognized by Golf Digest as one of the best teachers in the country every year since 2011. He has helped over 50 players realize their dream of playing college golf. In 2017, Jim was the low club professional in the Senior PGA Championship, and I'm very excited to have him back again with me tonight here on Next on the Tee. Hey, Jim, thanks for coming back on the show. Hey, man, it's it's always a pleasure to be with you. You're such a, a great benefit to so many people that love the game, and uh, it's always an honor and a privilege to be on your show, Chris. I, uh, I hope I can, uh, live up to all that stuff. You just said, man, that was a, a whole <laughs> lot of stuff. I'm an old man. That's a lot of stuff. <laughs> I appreciate you, Jim. And thank you very much for saying that. That means a great deal to me, my friend. So yes, sir. Jim, what's going on up in Maryland? Uh, you and I were talking off air. seems like, uh, just like, you know, here down here in Atlanta, we're, we're starting to open things back up. Our governor is, lifted the uh, the lid on a lot of things, but uh, it seems like up in Maryland, not so much the case. No, absolutely not. We, uh, we're we still on the rise. COVID is, uh, unfortunately, we're getting about 800 cases every day. It's still growing in numbers. I think we're up to like 19,000 cases in Maryland and right across the river in Virginia, everything's business as usual. So um, 
Yeah, we've been shut down since March 13th at Olney Golf Park. And um, fortunately, uh, the management and the owner got the PPP loan. And so everybody there is good. And I, uh, my academy there shut down, but um, I've been doing a lot of Zoom lessons. And, you know, SMGA usually starts the master's week. Uh, we usually have seven locations that do an eight-week coaching program for wounded veterans. And uh, so we're having to move our, our program back to June 1st, probably. I mean, it's still, we're going to have a board meeting tomorrow night to sort of figure that out. But it looks like um, everything is going to change as we know it, Chris. I mean, you know, golf as we know it, uh, you know, my coaching will be with probably with gloves and, and uh, you know, probably I'm going to wear a mask and, and you know, I'm, I'll be sure to let the all the parents and juniors and everybody that know that we're going to you know, have sanitizer, hand sanitizer, and so on. So it's uh, it's a new normal we're uh, we're all facing. Yeah. So there's a couple of things there I want to touch on. So let's talk about that last part first. You know, as an instructor, Jim, are, are you typically a hands-on kind of instructor? You know, because now we're with the social distancing and and to your point, the gloves and the mask and all that sort of stuff. Are you, are you going to have to you know kind of re relearn how to teach in, in a certain way cuz you know you you touch people thinking you know, what they got the grip in the hands are you used to re readjusting people's hands and their grips and that sort of thing what what's teaching going to be like for you once this all gets back to at least semi normal yeah so you know i got uh the privilege of working with and watching a lot of great teachers and so many of them were hands on you know guys like jim flick and Dr. Jim Suddy and Tom Padre and, uh, you know, Manuel Delateri and, um, uh, I mean, just some great guys. I mean, you know, like all the golf digest school guys, Davis Love and Jim, uh, or, uh, Peter Costa, all those guys were hands on guys. But, you know, I also worked with adaptive golf, uh, for 14 years and we worked with blind and we worked with people that, you know, have all sorts of, of neurological deficits as it relates to holding the golf club. They don't have feeling in their hands. And so, you know, you have to tap into the sensory system that they work best with. And, you know, obviously with technology now, we have ground force, we have ground reaction force uh, technology, we have video, we have 3D technology, you know, with K motion and body track and swing cat and v1 and you know track man so you know with technology you can really learn a lot about what's going on um and you can really teach with biofeedback and never you know like i've got the kvest software and the garment you know we'll keep clean we'll we'll instruct the guys how to put it on and they can go through the biofeedback training with auditory tones to get their body in the right position and and uh, i don't have to touch them i just have to tell them you know, how to put the, uh, the gear on and the software, you know, with the auditory tones and they can see themselves in three dimensions and they can move with motion training. You can, and biofeedback, you can learn an awful lot, uh, about how to move. And, um, you know, uh, obviously touching tees and touching doorknobs and, and all of the things that we take for granted will no longer be, uh, something that, uh, you know, I'm going to get medical grade disinfected for my studios. Uh, you know, to make sure everything's clean in there. And obviously I'm going to be sending out emails to all my customers and all, all of the parents who are, you know, going to have natural ap apprehension as it relates to sending them kids, their kids anywhere. Right. I mean, so, um, you know, you got to do your due diligence as an instructor to make sure that your clients 
um, know you care about them first and foremost in their health, right? I mean, that's the most important thing. Knock on wood, as, as an instructor and as, a, as an SMGA organization, we've never had anybody get injured. I mean, and we're talking with guys with triple amputees, sometimes quads, some neurological things and, you know, brain injuries and, you know, amputations, upper and lower extremities. So we're lucky um, that, you know, Judy Alvarez and some of the people that my mentors that I worked with, you know, in 2004, five, six, going over to Walter Reed, um, just learning from the doctors over there, the therapists and the therapeutic rec people, you know, the best practices as to, to how to talk to people, um, you know, with that do feel the invisible, invisible effects of war. So that holds true with anybody. I mean, nobody cares what you know until they know you care, right? So that's really what it's all about. So Jim, let's let's talk a little bit about the SMBA and and certainly I think people that listen to this show on a regular basis have heard me talking about the great jobs that uh, that you and your team have done over the years for for those tuning in, you know, tonight. Talk about what the SMGA is and how you got involved. Sure. Um well, you know, like Billy Bartlett was a Vietnam vet who I was giving lessons to and he was driving guys. This was 2005 and 6 with the height of the war driving guys to restaurants to have dinner with their families. And he asked me to come to Walter Reed and, and talk to them about golf because obviously some of the back then, the, I mean, it was just terrible in terms of the amount of people that were being injured. And, you know, the people that died in the war in Vietnam are now living. And so they were, they were coming back with terrible, terrible injuries. And so we got them out playing golf. Um, In 2007, we founded, SMGA, Jamie uh, Winslow, uh, he's a, a kid I've known since I was six years old. We we thought, you know, golf has so many great things like getting people out on the green grass and sunshine and learning a game. And, and so our mission is to build and grow uh, and empower um, combat wounded veterans, post 9-11 combat wounded veterans to really build relationships with their brothers in arms using the game of golf. and. Um, you know, our program is, is family inclusive. We, we have catered lunches. It's all donated. All the golf equipment, if you're, you know, through TaylorMade, um, they've been a great partner for so many years. Um, like we started in 2007 and, um, we've dedicated through our volunteers and through our board members so much time and energy to, uh, helping these guys. And we have golf experiences for them, like go to the masters and they play in the PGA tour pro-ams and, Russell, you know, uh, the, the Pro-Am Jam with, uh, you know, Hootie and the Blowfish Monday after the Masters and Russell Wilson Pro-Am Jam. We get, we get invited to PGA Tour events and, uh, you know, so it's, it's really for me as an instructor and, and so many PGA professionals have helped out, um, over the years. We've worked with almost 50 PGA professionals that have gotten trained in adaptive golf and we have a, a summit, a fly-in where guys can come in from all over the country. We're at Chambers Bay. We're in Colorado. We're in SMGAs in Boston. We're in the Adirondacks. Uh, we're in Hawaii, Mo Radke out in Hawaii, Paul Sarniak in Colorado, and, you know, Chambers Bay, Brad Zip, and, you know, we're in Oregon. We're in Jacksonville, Florida. Carolinas, Brad uh, Clayton is a master professional, and he, he had a, an accident and lost part of his arm, and he's doing a great job at uh, you know, at Camp Lejeune in Fort Bragg, and he gets 
every year he gets named the golf digest list for one of the best teachers in the Carolinas. And so we're really fortunate, you know, Gary Shaw, has got this new project golf that he's, he's doing down in Myrtle beach. And we're going to partner with PGA hope and bring uh, golf to uh, veterans down in Myrtle beach. And it's, that's a big area. Um, so yeah, I mean, we're growing. Uh, it's, it's a minor setback to, uh, to have our clinic series, our, our coaching program start up late, but I think we're still going to get our, our 16 weeks in, uh, knock on wood. Um, uh, it might be a little colder in October, uh, you know, finishing up our, so we do a spring and then we do a, a fall clinic series, but we usually start in the summer for the, and end up in, in, uh, late fall. But, um, so yeah, I mean, over the years we've had, uh, Almost 4,000 veterans go through our program, um, and we've got 25 locations. We've got over 60 clinic series, and some of the new locations this year are going to be Jacksonville, Florida. And uh, so, like I said, you know, TaylorMade's been been alongside for so many years, helping us out, providing custom-fitted golf clubs for all the vets. And we've got this American Golfer program that gives veterans the opportunity to get five private lessons on a custom fitting with any golf pro that's not in one of our clinic, uh, that isn't located or doesn't reside near one of our clinic locations. So the PGA uh, professionals that have been so kind through the years to, to give their time. And of course they get paid, but you know, they're not getting paid their, their hourly rate. So most of those guys are really generating, uh, you know, not only fundraising for us, but also, doing a program like the American golfer program for us, we get like 150 applicants every year and we can only take a hundred Chris. And it, it takes, uh, you know, about $1,200 per person to go through the program, um, with the clubs and, and the lessons and everything. So, um, you know, that's, that's, that's a chunk of change. And so, uh, you know, we're always looking for ways to, uh, to build the program and grow it. And, um, Obviously, that takes money in, and so we've partnered with Booz Allen Hamilton over the years. They've done 20 tournaments in each of the cities that they have uh, in office, and they've provided almost $150,000 a year uh, of our $900,000 budget. So, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I'm fortunate. I, I've got wonderful people that really have a heart for the troops. We've got guys on the board that work at the Pentagon and uh, we've got Purple Heart guys and we've got guys in, um, Chris, Chris Johnson at ESPN. He's the manager, uh, um, there. Um, he gets a lot of, um, good, uh, you know, people in the Washington area that are celebrities to, uh, to help out and spread the word. And, um, so, uh, for just an idea that two guys had, um, and just, I mean, really my buddy Jamie, he's just, he was an SAE and he played college golf at GW and he's got a lot of friends. Uh, you know, he works as a lobbyist and he's got a lot of friends in Washington and he's got a lot of friends period. And, and, you know, the tournament that we do every year in June, that now it's going to be moved to August, but it raises almost a hundred thousand dollars and almost net a hundred thousand. And, um, you know, it's not, um, something that we take lightly i mean we take we we work with these guys we get a personal relationship established we build relationships and it's a long-lasting relationship 90 percent of the people that go through our program are still playing golf today and still use golf in their uh and their as a therapeutic outlet so um yeah 
So let's touch stuff. on that last part. You talk about, yeah, it's fantastic. You talk about using it as a therapeutic outlet. So for for our listeners who, whether they are a military veteran, they've got a, a, a veteran in their family or they know of one, it's not just for wounded veterans, right? It's also from a therapeutic standpoint for veterans that might be dealing with PTSD or other traumatic issues as well. Right. 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 I mean, oh yeah. I mean, and it's pretty clear now from all the, all the um, diagnostic statistical measurements, the DSM, all of the research that's being done. I mean, you can have PTS from a car accident. I mean, you can have PTS from any traumatic incident, but you know, trauma is a real, is a real thing. And, um, you know, the invisible effects of, of trauma, um, last a lifetime and they're manifested in bad dreams. They're manifested in panic attacks. They're man. And, you know, the military didn't talk about that stuff. And, you know, my generation, we just said, Hey, I'm a man. We, we shrug it off. We don't talk about it, but that whole mentality's changed now. And guys are talking about this stuff with the buddies at lunch, you know, when we have our clinics, I mean, the golf is secondary to the relationship that these guys get to have with guys that have felt their pain and understand what it's like to get shot at. And, and, and you're right. We have veterans that didn't get injured in war that come through our program. Um, and, you know, they get the golf training and they get exposed to the golf and they get, you know, the friendships of the guys. And um, so, yeah, I mean, for me, you know, working with Disabled Sports USA, um, seeing so many guys come through that have said, you know, thank you. This program has been such a benefit to my family and it's, been, it's given me another thing to, to work on and get my mind in a different move in a different direction. And, you know, the growth mindset that we try to establish, if you can get 1% better in golf every day, that's big, that's huge, you know? And so there's so many guys that, that I can talk about that, um, have gone on to do, you know, not only play, play golf, but I've done, I mean, played really well. I mean, we've had, we've had guys that have triple amputees, guys that play in the warrior open, the Bush Institute has a warrior open every year. And there's something called the courage cup where guys qualify nationally to play in sort of a Ryder cup format against Europe. And we've had a number of guys on the SMGA go through the program that have qualified for that. And, um, you know, it's pretty cool when you get guys like Ben Crenshaw and Greg Norman to show up at the Warrior Open and get to play with, you know, PGA Tour players like Jordan Spieth and, you know, Ryan, um, I forget his name. Oh, well, it's not, that's what happens when you're 55. You, you just go blank all of a sudden. But um, <laughs> anyway. That's not um, good news. I just so, turned 55 last week, so. <laughs> oh, my. Well, yeah. I, I it isn't good news, but no, I, I, um, <laughs> Ryan Palmer, that's his name, Ryan Palmer. Ryan, what a great guy. I mean, he, he plays in that border open. And so, you know, like SMGA for us, um, you know, the guys that on the board level and the volunteers, we've seen so many great stories. I mean, kids that volunteer, I coach a high school team and they come out and they, they, we've seen documentaries and the core values that they've learned, the emotional resilience that they learn, um, those are great things to learn because they, you can apply them to life and you can apply them in golf. I mean, when you have that triple double start, can you come back at even par? You know, what is it going to take mentally to recover? And that takes, that takes work. I mean, to, to give yourself the right feedback in your head to recover mentally from things like that. Um, they learn it from the vets. I mean, cause these guys are not only are they physically hurting, 
Um, I mean, what you and I take for granted takes them sometimes two, three hours to do. So, um, yeah, it's pretty cool stuff. It's, uh, it's great for, for the pros. They, we probably learn more from the vets than, than we teach them, uh, and, and the kids. It's such a great to see high school kids inspired to, uh, want to come out there and, and take part. And, you know, so we're blessed to, uh, to have a program that's still, you know, it's flourishing. It's, it's doing well. And it's changing the face of golf because 90% of the guys that, that come on our, through our program, you know, aren't golfers. Um, they didn't get exposed to golf. Uh, you know, that wasn't part of their makeup as, as kids. They played, you know, sport, other sports. And so, you know, the face of golf is changing and the military is not, is not typically, uh, the group that plays golf. Um, so, you know, we're introducing golf to people that ordinarily would never get exposed to it. And, um, so the landscape of golf is changing and the faces and, you know, the people groups, they're all, it's all changing. And, and obviously Tiger has a lot to do with that, but, you know, um, there's a melting pot of people that play the game through our organization that wouldn't ordinarily get exposed to it. Jim, I want to switch gears momentarily. And um, speaking of lessons, one of the things that I, I wanted to get a uh, couple things from you tonight are lessons for all of us, right? To, and for the folks up in your area that are that are trapped at home and, and can't get out to play golf, what are, what are some things that we can do at home that can get our golf yeah. swings going so when the courses do open, we're ready to go? Yeah, so I'll give you some three things. I, I've done some videos recently and I sent them over to Scott Allen, uh, our PGA uh, executive director, and he's going to post them and we're trying to get stuff. Okay. So I'll give you three things that I do on a regular basis uh, at home. And I was just doing a zoom lesson with some guys. And the one is, okay. So, you know, in golf, you've got to have mobility, you've got to have stability and you've got to have balance. So mobility in the trunk, mobility in the pelvis, Stability, meaning you've got to be able to disassociate or move one segment independent of another. So, you know, just standing on one foot and closing your eyes and trying to balance. Or if you, if you can't do that, just standing on one foot for 15, 20 seconds in the shower every day is great. Um, and one of the drills I do is I have a little, uh, you know, a putting carpet, you know, well put putting carpet. And I hit putts three different ways. I hit it with one hand with my eyes closed right hand only. I hit it left hand only. I hit it on my front leg with my right hand, eyes closed and eyes open. And what I'm trying to do, Chris, is I'm trying to see the target in my mind. So I'm trying to build up that visual image of the target in my mind. And I'm trying to feel at the same time what my hand's doing, right? And getting a sensation for grip pressure and the weight of the club is easy to do when you have it in one hand because the golf club feels heavy. Now, since I've got guys that have had strokes or things and they swing with one hand, some of the things that I get them to do, you know, for the golf swing is I want somebody to get their right arm to work properly. And the way I would tell them to do that is take a golf ball. And I learned this from Peter Costas, actually, and hold it in your right hand, get in your golf posture, activate your core by just just turning your your. uh your abdominal muscles on with a little pelvic tilt and you want to have that, that lower back. You don't want to have that back arch. Get in your posture 
turn your left shoulder under your chin and get that right hand like you're getting ready to throw. You're holding the golf ball in your right hand like you're getting ready to throw it at the ground. I want the palm of the right hand facing up. And, and then just take that golf ball and try to throw it right at the ground. And that feeling, of course, you can't literally throw it at the ground, but the feeling of throwing right at the ground is the feeling of, of what I want that right arm to do as it comes into the ball. Uh, and the right palm is going to work down and the right palm is going to work towards the target. And at impact, if you can throw it or if you can get that right arm, you could use a wiffle ball, right? I mean, you don't have to use a real golf ball. I think my wife wouldn't like that too much if I threw a real golf ball on the ground. But um, <laughs> but using that, that right arm in, in a way that you're going to either skip a rock or throw something, sidearm, uh, is a great drill. And that feeling, um, you know, I, w- I would say that motion training exercises, getting your, your uh, setup position, getting some feedback like a mirror, and then one of the drills I love is putting a towel, folding it, rolling it up like in a tube and putting it right around the golf ball in sort of a, a semicircle. And what I'm doing is I'm using feedback to get somebody to swing the club down from the inside. Obviously, if they if the sweet spot of the club gets outside the target line and it's, it's getting outside the ball, they're going to smack the towel. So by putting something on the ground to sort of trace the path to, to the to the ball, um, gives somebody without telling them anything, the right look on the ground, their hand eye coordination is going to tell them, Hey, this is the path. My hands have to swing. This is the path. The club has to swing. So an external cue like that. And then I'll take a towel and put it behind the ball. Of course, go out in your backyard, get a piece of, you know, get a, get a piece of foam. If you have a, a patio, put the foam down and put the ball down, put the towel about three inches or the width of the club head behind about one inch above the ground behind the ball and then try to hit some shots without hitting the towel. And what that's going to teach you is to get your attack angle a little steeper, get the handle leaning forward and get in that good impact position where the flat left wrist and the shaft is slightly, the butt end of the club is slightly in front of the ball. And uh, if you can hit the ball without hitting the towel, you're going to make pretty good contact because you want to get that low point where you strike the ground, you want that low point to be the same every time. And so, you know, people have a tendency to, when, when they come to me, they say, well, you know, why am I hitting fat or why am I hitting thin? Well, your low point's not the same place every time. Every time, Why? You might be leaning backwards. You might be tilting back. Uh, there's any number of reasons. You could be coming down too steep of an angle. Another great drill, I take a golf club. And I hold it on the shaft. I hold, I take my grip on the shaft about one foot from the club head. So way down on the steel. Then I take a backswing and I point the butt end of the golf club. I've got a, a, an alignment stick on the ground for my target line and I point the butt end of that golf club right at the target line. So that gets the club on the right plane or the right angle because you want that shaft to be pointed at your target line at, at, so if P1 is addressed, P2 is where the shaft's parallel to the ground. P3 is when your left arm's parallel to the ground. At P3, you want the butt into that golf club to point at your target line. And then get it up, bring it up to the top. You want, you want to feel like the, 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 you know, like I said before, I like to feel like the palm of my right hand is pointing at the sky. If I'm a right-hander, obviously it'd be the left hand if I'm a left-hander. So motion training with feedback. 
feedback is something that tells your brain and your body what to do and how to do it without me telling you verbally. That's the best way to learn. Self-discovery is the best way to learn. Well, Jim, before I let you go, let our listeners know, how can they you know, get lessons from you? I, like I say, right now, you sure. talked about at the top, you're doing Zoom lessons. How can they get in contact with you? And then how can our military veterans and friends and family of a, of a veteran reach out to you and get involved with the SMGA? Sure. So, well, my website is jimestisgolf.com, and you can reach me by Twitter, number one golf doc. You can uh, go to the SMGA, SM Salute Military Golf Association, is smga.org. If you're uh, a wounded vet, post 9-11 wounded vet, and you want to learn the game of golf, there's a form on our website you can fill out, and someone will reach out to you. Our executive director, Scott Allen, uh, will reach out to you. For John Riviere, who is our program manager and also is in charge of uh, managing all the great clubs that TaylorMade gives us. So we want to make sure those veterans get equipped with golf clubs. And so if you're not in a clinic location and you want some lessons from a PGA professional nearby, we can arrange that for you. So, uh, yeah, I really appreciate the opportunity, Chris, for uh, getting to talk about SMGA and get... Uh, you know, we're, we're, uh, we're so thankful for our military. We're, and, and, you know, so many of the military veterans are on the front lines. So many of our police, so many of our, our, uh, our nurses and doctors, um, um, have that heart to help people. And, uh, and many of them are, are, uh, you know, many veterans go in and go into law enforcement and, and into, uh, helping people in so many different ways. And so we're just thankful that we have people that, um, are selfless in that regard. And, so we want everyone to be safe, but, uh, yeah. And my, my, uh, my number, you know, you can go on my website and get my number, but Jim Estes at, uh, Jim at Jim com, And then Scott Allen, our executive director, Scott at salute military org, and John at salute military org. John Riviere or Scott Allen. Those guys would be happy to help you, uh, with golf. And, 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 you know, like I said, we have, chapters we have chapters in boston we have chapters out west in washington and everywhere pretty much we're in uh every state just about um so, wow yeah it's it's great stuff jim i can't thank you enough for coming back on the show and uh and telling us all about it and and also uh the tips there at the end you're fantastic my friend i hope you come back and join me again soon uh, it's always a pleasure. And like I said, Chris, uh, for those golf junkies out there, we love your show and just keep keep on doing what you're doing, man. We love it. I appreciate you. Thank you. Take care, my friend. Stay safe. Look forward to catching right. up with you again soon. Yes, sir. Take care now. See you, Jim. That's a great Jim Estes. Follow him on uh, social media at the number one. So the numeral one golf doc is how you can follow him on social media. SMGA.org is the Salute Military Golf Association's website. So if you're a military veteran or you know one and uh, they would like to take up the game of golf and uh, like we talked about, uh, Jim pointed out, very therapeutic. It's great to be around other vets and uh, and get to learn the game of golf or improve your golf skills. It's a, it's a wonderful organization. Jim has been doing a great job for a long time. I can't thank him and I can't recommend them highly enough. Great work. Great people doing great stuff. Again, smga.org is the website. At One Golf Doc is how you can find Jim.
All right, before I get to my next guest, Donnie Hammond, I want to give a shout out to our friends at the Hogan Golf Company. When Ben Hogan founded his company in 1953, his vision was to make the finest golf equipment in the world. And that remains their mission today. They change every club that they make to the feel and feedback that investment clubs simply can't provide. And the craftsmen, they micromanufacture each club to your exacting specifications. And that's important, your exacting specifications. And they do it in their Forward Texas factory. You'll only find Ben Hogan Golf Equipment online at BenHoganGolf.com. Visit them online today about, and find out about their great products and their great prices. And folks, this segment of the show is sponsored by our friends over at the PGA Tour Superstore. This segment of the show is brought to you by the PGA Tour Superstore. See why golfers everywhere are proud to call PGA Tour Superstore their golf pro shop. Visit them online at PGATourSuperstore.com. Now back to Chris and more of the show. All right, and keeping the Maryland theme going tonight, because now back in making his ninth appearance with me here on Next on the Tee is one of my all-time favorites, and that's Donnie Hammond. Let me remind you about Donnie's background. He was born in Frederick, Maryland, so there you go, which is uh, the northern part of the state near the Virginia and West Virginia borders. Played his college golf at, the, at uh, Jacksonville University, where he was a four-year letterman. As a sophomore, he finished seventh in the 1977 Sunbelt Championship, and then as a senior, he won that tournament by six strokes. He would go on to lead Jacksonville University to two Sun Belt Conference championships. He's a charter member of the Jacksonville University Sports Hall of Fame. Donnie earned his tour card by being the medalist at the 1982 PGA Tour qualifying tournament at TPC Sawgrass. And get this, folks, winning that tournament by 14 strokes. He played on the PGA Tour from 1983 to 1988, won twice on the regular tour at the 86 Bob Hope Chrysler Classic in the 89 Texas Open, where he came within one stroke of the all-time scoring record after shooting four round to- a four-round total of 258 at Oak Hill. He won once on what was then the Buy.com Tour. We know it now as the Corn Ferry Tour. It's a 2000 Lakeland Classic. And he also won the 1982 Florida Open. And over the course of his career, he's had 42 top 10 finishes and 126 top 25. I'm very honored he is back with me again tonight here on Next on the Tee. Hey, Donnie, how are you, my friend? Doing great, Chris. How you doing up there? Good? Ah, good, thank you. How are things down in Orlando? Yeah, the weather's been great. Um, golf weather. We're able to play a little bit down here. There's not really lockdowns on the golf course as long as you, you know, everybody gets their own cart. Got to stay away. You don't, you know, you don't have to get into the cup to grab the ball. So, been able to get out and play a little bit, get some exercise, mostly biking and swimming a little bit, but it's, uh, yeah, it's not bad considering uh, the rest of the country, what everybody's going through. Mm-hmm. And, and Don, I kind of wanted to get your thoughts. You're talking about, you know, some of the the things that uh, golf courses are doing so that people aren't touching things, you know, don't touch the flag, no ball in the cup, you know, no ball washers, all that sort of thing. But, you know, taking that up a notch to, to the PGA Tour, would you, when they get started back in June, would you be concerned at all? Because even without fans, I, I, was, I was starting to think about this. With even with no fans, if you've got a field that starts out with 140, 150 guys, you got another, you know, caddy for everybody. You got your coaches. You got everybody that's you know there from a, a volunteer standpoint. You got officials. Probably got four or five hundred people on the golf course and doing stuff. Would you have any pause about you know, hey, there's a lot of folks here touching things and. All that sort of thing. How would you feel about playing in a, in a tour event? 
Well, it's kind of a, you know, you kind of have to balance it as a tour player on how, how much you really need to play in the tournaments because now with less tournaments, you're going to have less chances to, you know, keep your card, get in the top 30, get into the FedEx Cup. Uh, I think what it's going to come down to is the PJ Tour going to be able to have a safe environment out there. I read, I was reading something actually just today that said they're trying to get a million tests for the rest of the year so that they can test all the volunteers, the pros, the caddies. If, if everyone, you know, has gone through tests and they feel pretty confident that, you know, the caddies are clear, the pros, the volunteers, that it's a pretty safe environment. It's not as tricky as if you don't know, you know, like you're walking around now, you have no idea around the country who might have it, who already had it and has recovered from COVID. Uh, but, you know, that's what they're going to have to get together. And it's coming up now. They have a, a month or so to, you know, to be able to figure out how they're going to test everyone. That's going to be the key. If you can have the confidence that you're in a safe environment, you still have to get to the tournaments. And, you know, you're going to be running into a lot of people going to the range, going to the clubhouse, in scoring, standing on the tee uh, around the other players and the the caddies and the scorers. So. It, it's going to be tricky, but, you know, if they get the testing and, and have it where everyone's pretty much clear, that would take care of 80% of, of your worries, I think. And talk about playing a tournament with, with no fans, you know, no noise, no cheers, no roars, no clapping, no nothing. It's, you know, you and the other guys out there playing just I, like you would be playing any on any course anywhere. Is that going to be weird? That was my whole career, Chris. <laughs> I hardly ever had fans. It'd be easy for me. Well, I did get in the hunt a few times, and then there'd be people there standing around the tee, and I'm like, "What are these? What are, what's everybody doing out here?" Oh, that's right, I'm in third place. But you know, ninety percent of the time, you don't have a lot of fans out there watching. So, but it would be, it would be a distraction because you know you're used to seeing twenty, thirty, forty thousand people out on the golf course. So. You, you go make a 35 footer on a hole for Eagle and your caddy's the only one that's kind of making any bit of a noise, you know? So that's, uh, that's going to be an adjustment for the guys. Uh, I guess they're going to try that the first four tournaments and then, you know, see how that goes. So, but that, that will be, that'll be a, a slight adjustment for the pros, but it'll be interesting for TV too, to, to look out on the right. golf course and see no fans. Yeah. So, I uh, know you know Donnie that I'm I'm a huge fan of the Masters. You and I have talked about the Masters many times, and, and the times that you played there, and the '86 Masters, and all of that. But if we, if this thing were to come back around a little bit in the fall, and now we're we're watching a Masters with no patrons and no roars on the back nine, it just wouldn't seem like a. Ma- I mean, how odd would Masters be with without the patrons, no blooms, Bermuda grass? Uh, I don't know. It's going to lose something for me to get get involved, trying to you know be excited as I always am about the Masters, where there's dead quiet, no color. You know, what, what would, do you think about a Masters a, like? Be a huge asterisk on the tournament. Someone could win is still going to win the green jacket. There's going to be a great excitement watching the tournament. But imagine walking down by 16 by the tee there, you know, up toward the green and not have have it surrounded with people over there to the left of the lake and behind the green uh, on the first tee where it seems like you can barely 
get a backswing without hitting someone because it's so tight there on the first tee. At least it used to be. Uh, but that would be uh, that would really look funny on TV to to see that down around 16, 17, and 18. How differently do you think the golf course would just even play? Let's take let's take the patrons and everything else aside. I had uh, John Patrick of uh, the Augusta Golf Show on with me a couple of weeks ago, and he said uh, that the uh, fairways are going to be Bermuda grass, not the rye grass we're we're used to seeing. It's going to be colder. The sun's going to be in a different place than than they're used used to it being in. How much different do you think the course itself is going to play from what we're used to seeing in April? I think the um, I think the colors are going to be different. I think playability. They're probably going to be able to work the moisture on the golf course a little bit to where it plays similar, you know, as they do in the, in the spring, um, the green should be perfect, but the, I think even a bigger adjustment is going to be the weather because you're going to have mornings there that could get really chilly. Uh, the humidity is going to be different, uh, toward the, uh, toward the fall. So, you know, the lighting, the days is going to be different. So it's going to be a, uh, a different feel for, what you're used to, where the shadows are at certain times of the day when you're keying off uh, different holes. So it'll be um, it'll be it'll be a lot different with the weather and and of course the conditions of the fairways and the greens. And Donnie, kind of keeping with our Maryland theme of the night, uh, you posted a couple of days ago that you and Lee Elder, who was the you know first African American to qualify for the Masters, you guys referred to each other as the connection. Since you guys are both from Maryland, talk about your uh, relationship with Lee. I remember Lee back. Uh, I, I was a junior golfer, and I went to a tournament in Ohio. It was a national tournament. I ran into Lee there, and I told him I was from Maryland. So we started uh, a relationship back when I was about 17 years old, and then uh, I got out on tour in '82. And Lee was kind of still playing a little bit, but I think he was on the Champions Tour by then. Uh, but we would see each other at different pro-ams and, you know, some tournaments here and there on the PGA Tour. But he would always call me Connection. And then, of course, I would call him Connection back. So he was Connection and I was Connection. But he had a uh, a really great charity event up there in Maryland for a bunch of years and had a lot of the top players come in. Uh, Jack Nicklaus would come in and Hale Irwin and a lot of his friends from the tour would come in. And, and I really got exposed to you know, what a big thing that pros can do for charities uh, around the country. And uh, Lee had a really nice one, and uh, I got to play in it a few times. Uh, but he, he's just a great personality, great player, had had a really unique swing where he had a real funny follow-through. He kind of twirled the club through a little bit, but really a good ball striker. And, um, you know, he's been a friend for a long time. Did you guys ever talk about the struggles and things that he went through trying to get into the masters and playing in the, in the masters being the first African-American. No, I, n- I never really talked to Lee much about that. I've talked to, you know, Jim Thorpe about, you know, the things he had to go through coming up at country clubs and things and, you know, how it was tough to, um, you know, you didn't have some of the benefits that some of the other pros might've been able to have um, certain parts of the country. But uh, I never really talked to Lee too much about that. But it's um, it's a big part of the game that um, you know the way the the um, hospitality has grown for the for the pros and you know I mean the black pros weren't even allowed to play the Masters for a while and then you know you had to have the caddies and then they started bringing in where you could bring your own caddy 
that was a big change, but, uh, it's been a big, um, been some big changes over the years. Also recently posted a picture of Mr. Palmer. You had an opportunity to play a practice, uh, round of nine holes with Mr. Palmer. I believe that was back in 86. Well, what was it like getting to play a practice round with the King? Yeah, that was something I was getting ready to go home and was standing on the green, hitting a few more putts and Arnold came off the ninth green and looked over and I'd played Bay Hill that year. I, I got an exemption. And so I knew Arnold a little bit and he said, Hey kid, you want to play the back? And so we, um, just the two of us went out and played the back nine together. And he, he was really helpful. He showed me a lot of the, you know, a lot of the lines off the tees and where the pins were going to be. And, you know, we had a nice leisurely, uh, nine holes there at Augusta in the evening. There's hardly anybody around. And, uh, he still hit the ball pretty well. I thought, thought he'd have a good chance of making the cut and, you know, competing and stuff, but he, he really took his time to, to kind of help me, which was my first year there. And, and, uh, ended up, you know, it did help me a lot. I was there in second place going into the last round and had a chance to win. So it, uh, it was a big help for me. I want to talk about life on the PGA tour. I think so many of us just picture it, it being a, a very glamorous life and you're traveling first class and going from town to town and staying in great hotels and playing golf for a living. And I, I think we, we've got this image of it being a very luxurious life. In my head, from talking to, to you and, and several of the guys, it, it seems like it's a little bit of that, but is, there's a lot of people don't see the grind of, of having to go from town to town, all the golf balls and all the practice and, and all those sorts of things. Talk about what life on the PGA tour is like that we don't see. I mean, overall it was, it was a great life uh, to be able to do something that you, you know, as a kid, you thought you wanted to do for a living to be able to compete and, you know, do something that you love to do. So uh, it was never seemed like a job really until, after 20 or 25 years, maybe it would, you know, you kind of have to nudge yourself a little bit to practice as much as you needed to. But for a long time, it was, uh, it was just so much fun. It was it competitive though. I mean, you gotta, you gotta get breaks. You have to be lucky. You have to have talent. You have to have help along the way. And then you have to be able to stay out on tour where if you can keep your card and play the first couple of years, then you can, maybe stretch it out for 10, 15, 20 years once you get through those first couple of years. But, you know, the great things about playing the tour were, you know, some of the best courses in the country like Pebble Beach or Muirfield Village, Riviera, Westchester, Congressional, uh, Doral. And then the favorite part for me was actually on the driving range, being able to get to the range and you're hitting brand new Titleist or Callaways, whatever you wanted, they had them right there. Pro V X's, Pro V the black ball, uh, and you're standing there hitting balls with Greg Norman or, uh, you know, Hale Irwin's over there, Craig Stadler, Curtis Strange, and you're just standing there thinking, what am I doing here? But I happen to have a name, you know, a golf bag with my name on it. So I guess, I guess this is where I'm supposed to be. So, you know, that was the really fun part. And then, of course, being able to have some success too, where you're able to compete with the guys and then eventually win a couple of tournaments was kind of the icing on the cake. But, you know, there, there were sacrifices that, that you have to go through. You miss your family for a couple of weeks at a time pending, 
you know, how often they would travel with you. So that was the, the tough part is, you know, two weeks at a time. I usually tried to go no more than two weeks before I would at least go home for a week or so. Uh, but mostly it was, you know, it was a great life. You get to meet a lot of really cool people in the game of golf and play with, you know, baseball players and play with some actors and just a bunch of uh, successful people along the way. And you know, everybody seemed to be in a good mood on the tour when you're out there during the tournament. A lot of people were, you know, kind of rooting for you and, you know, wanting you to do well. And the players, you know, everybody was pretty friendly. You know, people, we helped each other you know, with your swing or you helped each other with different issues that you might have. So it was, uh, it was a nice environment really for a long time. And Donnie, I, I sort of also picture it's, it's the same guys week after week that, uh, you're playing with and you're hanging out with kind of almost like a traveling show. You're just going to see the same guys next week. Hey, I'll see you. You know, I'll see you there on Monday. I'll see you tomorrow. Yeah. You, you, you see, you're right. You're exactly right. You see a bunch of the same faces and it, and it would get to the point where you're such good friends with everybody that after a while you're just making fun of everybody else about certain things that you did, certain shots that you hit, what you're working on with your swing. I mean, it would get to that point where everybody was kind of needling everybody else. And that that's when it really got to be fun. You know, Payne Stewart was probably the best as far as that would go, as far as, you know, needling everybody and uh, had funny things to say, but uh, that was, that was a cool part of it. You really had to be quick out there because the guys were pretty smart and they were pretty good at it. So you had to pick up a lot of tricks along the way to keep up with them. Donnie, just a couple more before I let you go. And and I read on your PGA Tour profile that the Baltimore Colts are to thank, you know, for your golf career because you and your father would go watch them practice and then you'd go play nine holes at a golf course. Talk about how that got you started. Yeah, that was the start. I mean, I, I think probably 80% of the pros started out playing with their dad. They would, you know, ride around the cart or follow them or pick up a club when they were four or five or eight years old. I was 13, so I started a little late. But what my dad would do, we would go to down to Westminster in Maryland, and we'd play this little golf course there. We'd usually play nine holes, and then we'd go over and watch the Baltimore Colts practice. And that was when... Uh, Don Shula was a coach, Johnny Unitas, um, Bob Mackey, Raymond Berry. I mean, they had a great team, great uniforms too. Remember the helmet with, with a little horseshoe on it, white, mostly a white uniform. They had a great uniform. And, you know, we could hang out with the guys back then. There were only maybe two or three reporters at practice, very few fans. And we, after practice, we'd throw the ball around with Don Shula and Johnny Unitas actually threw me a couple, I think, at one time. And, Wow. It was, uh, it was like a, you know, they were kind of like a family too. It was, it was a lot more low key back then than, than it is these days. But, uh, but I look forward to the, you know, seeing the Colts and watching the football thing as much as playing the, playing golf. But then I started getting a little better at the game and, you know, I was, I just wanted to be on the course all the time after that. It was, you know, as, as much as I could be out there, it was, it was a joy. So Donnie, what's uh, what's up with SpaceX? What's the next launch? What are you looking forward to uh, to seeing from those guys? I guess the big one, the man launch next uh, next month. They've, they're doing testing. I think things are looking pretty good. They've they've had some successful tests. I went down last week for the last one they did that they launched up a bunch of satellites. Took my Beagle down to the beach and 
we got there a little early and we actually came back to the house before they even launched because we were down there for three hours already. He was, the dog seemed to be getting bored a little bit and I had another couple hours till the launch. So we came back and watched it in the front yard. But, uh, I think the man launch is going to be next month. That's going to be the big one. I'll probably go down for that. That'll be exciting to watch to, you know, the first yes. time to launch, you know, astronauts from the U S in quite a while. So. Well, Donnie, before I let you go, remind our listeners, how can they stay up to date with what you're doing and follow you, whether it's online or on social media? Yeah, I'm helping. I'm helping at this really cool company here in Orlando, TDJ Golf. TDJ Golf. They do a, it's like an online platform where you can, you can pair your scores that you play and you can pick some pros when they start doing the tournaments. And it's kind of like a little gambling game and the club can, you know, they can operate it. It's, it's on the, um, it's on your phone and they keep up with the scoring and everything. I've been helping them a little bit. That's going to be pretty exciting this year. It's starting to take off and, and it's, it's, it's a pretty fun event for, uh, for the clubs to run. So I've been helping them with that and just playing a little bit, trying to keep my game in shape in case, uh, in case I go out for some qualifiers this summer on the champions tour. Well, Donnie, always a blast having you part of the show, my friend. I can't thank you enough for taking time out of your night to come back and join me. You're always a lot of fun. It's great talking to you, Chris. I love I love your show. I appreciate you very much, Donnie. Stay safe, my friend. All the best to you and your family. Look forward to catching up with you again soon. Thanks. I'll send you some videos from the launch. Please. Do. Yeah, thank you. See you, okay. Donnie. All right, my friend. Bye-bye. That's a great Donnie Hammond, and you can follow him online. He's on uh, he's on social media at Donnie Hammond and doing some great things with a new company, TDJ Golf. Check that out as well. Looking forward to catching up with Donnie again soon. All right, I want to give a shout-out before I get to my next uh, guest, Tom Patrick. Give a shout-out to our friends over at Positive Vibes Golf. Go online and check them out, PositiveVibesGolf.com. Follow them on Twitter at PVibesGolf. The covers and putter covers are a very unique way to keep your mind focused on positive things. They're a great on-course training aid as well. I tell you this all the time because you can't help but smile when you look at their head covers and their putter covers. They're going to put a smile on your face. They're going to make you feel better. Even if you just hit a bad shot, they'll make you feel even better if you hit a great one. Go online and see why I say that at PositiveVibesGolf.com. Give them a follow on Twitter at PVibesGolf. All right. Now back with me is our resident director of instruction, Tom Patry. As you guys know, I'm one of the most uh, decorated and great instructors that we have in this game. Normally, you could visit him and improve your golf game at Esplanade Golf and Country Club in Naples, Florida. But now the best way to get TP to help you with your golf game is by downloading the V1 Golf app. And I did it. And I sent him my videos to my golf swing. So I hope you'll do the same. You can also uh, check him out on his website, TomPatry.com. You can also subscribe to his newsletter when you go on his website as well. Tom is also a member of the Titleist Leadership Advisory Board. He's a two-time former uh, All-American at Florida Southern. Won the Division II National Championship back in 1981, inducted into their Sports Hall of Fame in 2004, and it's always a privilege getting to spend some time with him. Hey, TP, how are you, my friend? Christy Boy! <laughs> hey, TP. I'm good, Chris. I'm a little sore tonight, actually. I've been, uh, I've been ripping my garage apart because I've, um, decided to put a, uh, a golf studio, learning center studio in my in my garage. So I've been ripping the thing apart. Um, you know, 25 years of living in the same house, and uh, 
you would imagine there's been a lot of junk that's compiled up in there and a lot of it had to go bye-bye. So the old guy was ripping the thing apart today and uh, getting ready to put in some uh, technology. So it should be kind of fun, actually. Really? So talk about the technology yeah. you're going to install and what people can do, because I'm, I'm, I'm assuming you're going to have uh, um, kids, adults. You're going to be doing some lessons yeah. in there. Yeah, I am. I'm, I'm going to, you know, uh, this this uh, this whole situation is kind of making us all think a little bit outside the box. So it should be completed. I would think I can get it completed within two weeks. Obviously, have a net and a uh, a fiber built mat, uh, you know, state of the art mat in there, and then. Uh, We'll have V1 video in there. We'll have TrackMan in there. We'll have Body Track uh, uh, in there. Um, so you know we'll project the Body Track traces up on the screen. We'll have a flat screen on the wall. Be able to put your uh, TrackMan numbers up on the on the uh, on the screen, and uh, as well as a split screen for V1 video from two angles. So we'll have pretty much everything we need to have in there to uh, track every golf shot that comes off your club face. Wow. And, yeah, yeah. And speaking of which, I sent you my my golf swing, and you evaluated yeah, it for I'm me. Still, and I'm still, I'm still trying to get, I'm still trying to get over that. No, okay, no. I, I, you don't I, have to I, tell me, my friend. I, I'm traumatized <laughs> myself. Oh, so, don't feel like you're the Lone Ranger. I sent you the videos back. Did you also get the emails back? I sent with the pictures and everything. I got, I got the whole nine, and and you know. Yeah. Like I say, I'm I'm trying to digest it because I, I actually what you told me is like, look, if you'll change your feet position, you'll change your backswing, you'll change your follow through, you rotate your hips more, true. you'll be fine. That's, that's not true. That's not true. You know that's not true. <laughs> I, 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 I re- the thing I'm most the thing I was most concerned about, truthfully, was was one of the most fundamental things. I'm really concerned about that right hand grip. Um, I, I, we need to get the right hand of the club on the club a little bit more neutral. I don't like how far under that right hand grip was. And I think that a lot of things that go on, you know, obviously that right hand was in a really, really strong position. And I think what people don't understand, because we talked about a couple of things, because we talked about the right hand grip being underneath, and we talked about how much you slid in your forward swing. But I think that the sliding was your athletic mind trying to get ahead of the golf ball to hold off that right hand grip from turning over too much and hitting the ball to the left. So I think that you know, as good athletes, we try to, you know, our brain, which is which is our subconscious brain, which is a lot smarter than our conscious brain, figures out ways to try to compensate for certain fundamental flaws. So the right hand grip being fundamentally flawed caused you to try to hold that club face off so it doesn't flip over too quickly through the impact area, so you don't hit any left balls. And and now it becomes a you become you're at the mercy of your timing for a guy who. You know, has a job and works hard and, and doesn't get to play golf seven days a week and hit a million golf balls. When you're when you go out there as a weekend warrior on Saturday and you and you've got two fundamental things kind of fighting each other, you know that are you know one causes the left and one causes the right. Boy, that that's a tough way to play golf. So as a teacher, you, you kind of circle back to the setup and you say, okay, what can I do in the setup to make this game easier for the guy? And if I get that right hand grip on there a little bit more neutral. And now the club face is in a more neutral position through the hitting area. Now I can go ahead and teach the guy to rotate through the shot a little better with his lower body and and, and square the club face up with by rotating his body, not at the mercy of timing his hands every time. So that's kind of where I'm going to go with you long term. All right. Well, I got to tell you, so 
Of course, after I saw it, and you sent all, sent that back to me late last night. So I got up early this morning and I went out. And I've got a I got a net and a you know some artificial grass turf, whatever you want, yeah. you know, in in the backyard yeah, now. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. So I try right away, right? That's that's the first thing I you know. I, again, I'm trying not to have too many swing thoughts, but you know, flaring my feet out a little bit more. So let's talk about that first, right? That's an easy thing. So for people like okay, me. So- I'm square with my toes. You say right. flare them out further. Talk about what that's going to do so, for me. Well, so, you know, we talked about the grip and what that causes. And we talked about the fact that you try to compensate for the grip by moving laterally. And I, I drew some lines on the V1 screen, as you remember, that yep. showed you how much you move laterally through the hitting area with your lower body. Um, so we want you to become more rotational through the hitting area. We want you to clear your hips more, not move as laterally through the hitting area. So. Picture, if you can, I know we're on a podcast now, but on a live video screen, picture anybody out there, if you took your feet and you pigeon-toed them severely, severely at a dress, how much could you rotate your hips? Well, almost none, right? So now, right. if your feet are dead square, what I, what I call block-footed or really square-footed, okay, just you know, dead perpendicular to the target line, yeah, you can rotate a little bit more, but picture this. Picture taking your left foot and flaring it. Don't open it. Just flare the foot about 40 degrees, how much easier it would be to clear your left hip through the impact area. So not only does the way you position your feet, square, open, or closed affect what you can do with your hips and your pelvic girdle, but the position of your feet relative to the square, open, or closed affects them also. So when you can flare your left foot in your forward swing, you can rotate your left hip a little bit easier. And conversely, in your back swing, if you want to get a little deeper into your back swing, okay, you know, people talk so much about turning their shoulders, but if your right foot is dead square in your backswing and your right hip can't turn very much, then your right shoulder and your shoulders cannot turn very much. So as we get a little older, like like the old man here, the old provolone here, wants to turn and make a little bit more complete backswing, I flare that right foot so I can turn that right hip a little bit more and conversely turn my shoulders a little bit more because I'm not nearly as elastic as I used to be. So the way you fit, position your feet in terms of the flare of your feet is going to help you to do a better job with your pelvic girdle rotationally as well, if that makes sense to you. It does make sense to me. So as okay. we work from the ground up and we say my feet need to be flared out a little bit more so I get a little more hip rotation. Chris, Chris, let, me say, Chris, let, me, let me say something. You just said something that was so important right there. And I don't know if you were setting me up or teeing me up, but thank you if you were. Working from the ground up is a big deal for me with people. You know, you, have you ever seen a good running back, a good shortstop, a good hockey player, you know, a good a good point guard with bad footwork? No, no, right. So, so people don't don't really they they really undervalue footwork. So, the way you use your feet in your athletic endeavor, whatever your whatever sport you're playing, and the quality of your footwork is going to affect everything that that you're doing above that. So that was, you, you don't know how important that statement you just made was. That was a huge comment you just made. Let's work from the ground up. I love that comment. Let's, let's do that. Chris. Let's do that. So working our way from the ground up, I got my feet a little bit more flared now. I got my grip. It's more, a little more neutral with my right hand. Now, for me in the past, I was a, a very vertical swinger. And I had a huge problem with slicing the golf ball, which is why, as you then noted, 
when I, on my takeaway, I, I take the, the club away on the inside. So I have a much flatter swing than I did when I was younger. Right. And that was to get rid of the slice, figuring flatter the swing. I'm going to come from the inside and I'm, you know, if I'm going to miss, I'm going to miss left. I'm going to hook it or I'm going to pull hook it. What you showed me in my swing helped me understand why I get in trouble with pull hooking on the ball goes left because I'm coming in from the inside. And then, as you pointed out in the video, some of us like to take a look at Jim Furyk's swing and kind of go, what? What is that? I sort of do the opposite. I have the, uh, the opposite sort of swing motion, but similar to Jim Furyk, where I'm coming in from the inside and then swinging through coming from the outside in. So I've got that right, loop. So, I, so, so people laugh at the great Jim Furyk that he takes the club so far kind of outside and away and vertically, then he drops it way to the inside. So I call that playing golf wide and then dropping it to the inside, playing golf narrow, wide to narrow. And I, I attach that, if you remember, I attached that drill out of my out of my library to your V1 analysis so you uh-huh. can see that. So most amateurs that come to me think that they want to get inside early. So they take the club inside early, and then conversely, the brain reroutes the club to the outside on the way down or over. We call that over the top. You guys call it over the top. I call that narrow to the inside and wide to the downswing. So they come inside early and then back over the top. So in your backswing, you want to create a little bit of width, keep the club in front of you a little bit better, take the club back a little bit, a little bit more within reason, along the line a little bit more, creating some space that you can then drop the club to the inside on the way down. Okay. So, and Chris, let me, let me back up just a little bit here because the thing we, we missed is when I talked to you in the V1 analysis about your right hand being too strong, I also made a comment, a superficial comment, I kind of grazed over because I'm going to come back to it later on with you, that your left hand looked a little too weak, okay? So I'd rather you had your left hand on a little stronger, a little more dialed to the right for a right-handed player, your right hand on a little bit more neutral, because I still want you to be able to release the club, but release it correctly in a wide to narrow manner or a on-the-line to inside-the-line on the downswing, more from the inside on the downswing, and then rotate your body nice and hard through the impact area to square the club face up with your body a little more. So, so we got we got some work. The other, we got some work to do. Yeah, clearly. Again, my feet are bad. My grip is bad. My takeaway is bad. My follow through no, is bad. No, and I'm no, no, my no, hips. No, Outside no, of that, I, it's perfect. I don't. No, I don't. Dis- I disagree. I don't think anything is bad. I think athletically, here, here's here's the, here's what I say to people about this. This is not bad at all. What's your handicap, Chris? I'm uh, about a 12. Okay, so 12 is pretty pretty reasonable golf. It's not bad golf. I mean, you're so you're shooting somewhere between 80 and 85. Is that is that accurate? That's right. That's right. Okay, so so that's not bad golf. Okay, so if a guy comes to me and he's got a pretty faulty right hand grip, for example, okay, and I'm just going to use two things only, just two things. He's got a faulty right hand grip, really too strong with the right hand, and he slides a lot, and he's a 12 handicap. I say to the guy, listen, everything here is upside. Because if you can hit golf shots that competently where you can break 85, I mean, what percentage of the golfing population breaks 85? If you can break 85 doing that, what can you do when you get more fundamentally sound? So, I mean, I don't think it's bad at all. I think it's great. I think it's all, I think it's all upside here. Because we get the guy put his hands on the club correctly and learns how to rotate his body a little bit through the impact area a little bit better. And, man, we're, you know, we're... <laughs> 
we're, we're, we're cruising down the freeway now. We're, we're in pretty good shape. I, I think this is all good stuff. I don't think you're that far away from playing much better. Well, I appreciate that. I appreciate your confidence. I, I, I kind of where I was going way at the, at the beginning of this, Tom, as I, as I said, I got up real early because I, you know, I, I watched it late last night. I wanted to watch it again. So I did that. And then I got out there swinging the golf club. Right. And the, I, the part that troubled me the most was, was the swaying and the sliding. Right. So, you know, you, you gave me a nice tip about a couple of, you know, chairs on either side of my hips, so, you know, an inch or two away from my hips and swinging. Right. So I, you know, I, I get out there and I'm swinging with the golf club and the chairs and, you know, I'm hitting the one on the left every time every right? time I'm sliding every yeah every sure. time I'm sliding right so you're now the, I'm starting to think about I got to stabilize right got to stay centered I can't hit this can't hit this chair my hips hurt so bad because of trying to over try to compensate not to hit that darn chair I, I that's going to take yeah. a couple of but days Chris, to get over Chris let's understand something though let's 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 welcome to my world now now I'm going to take you right into the into the throes of the world of the teaching professional okay so yep. I've never seen you play golf live. That's the first video I've ever gotten from you. Right. How long have you played golf? What, how old were you started playing golf? 12. How old are you now? 55. Okay. So we don't know, we don't really have a crystal ball to be exact here, how long your right hand grip has been like that. We don't know how long you've moved your hips out laterally through the hitting area. Okay. But we're going to suspect it's been going on for a while. It didn't start yesterday, right? So the guy goes out this morning and he goes, Jesus, I, I kept on hitting the chair this morning. So I say to the guy, listen, well, can I ask you a question? How many slow motion rehearsals do you do in front of a mirror, putting your right hand grip on correctly, taking the club back in slow motion and in slow motion returning to impact, and maybe in front of a mirror, just kind of watching your hips, your left hip clear a little bit out. Well, I didn't do that at all, pro. I said, well, why don't you do that about six million times this week in slow motion in front of a mirror? before you worry about hitting any golf balls between two chairs. Oh, you think I should rehearse that? Yeah. Oh, pro, you think I should rehearse that first? Yeah, maybe you should rehearse that a couple million times this week. So I, I'm a big, I'm a, I'm a big believer, a big believer that what I, one of the things I want you to do in that backyard of yours, cause you really got a nice setup back there, nice net, you got a nice little astroturf matted, you know, it's really a good little space. I want you to get a, a full length mirror from Home Depot or, Sam's Club or something, you know, like a closet stand-up mirror, and I want you to mount it on something face-on in your little hitting area out there, and I want you to do two slow-motion drills of the impact position for every one ball you hit. So I want you to practice putting your right hand on there in a better position, making a backswing in slow motion, looking up in the mirror, don't look down, and just watch the club return, and as it's returning, just kind of clear that left hip a little bit and do a couple of slow motion drills, too, for every one ball. Because we're going to do this thing called changing a habit. We're going to change a motor skill. And it takes time to do that. And your impetuous, hurry, triple type A type personality wants it to happen <laughs> yesterday. And it's, it's, it's not going to work out that way. It's not, that's not the way it works. It's not, you know. Come on, TP. So now, listen, though, Chris. You know, seriously, this is important. People don't understand how hard it is to change the physiology of a golf swing. If they, if they, if every person came to the first lesson truly understanding how hard it is, we wouldn't have anybody come and take lessons, you know? And that's why I think that's the number one reason why we lose people too, 
because I gave you two basic things to work on there, your right hand grip and in the sensation of clearing your left hip a little bit more. People say to me at the end of an hour, but you only gave me two things. I said, yeah, guess what? You need to work on those for a while and then come back in a couple of weeks and see where you are. It's so hard to change the physiology of a golf swing when there's been long-term habit. And if more people understood what it took, you know, they, they would spend more time doing these rehearsals at home in front of a mirror, slow motion drills, you know, just kind of creating some sensations that they can really let their brain and their body absorb over time. Yeah, well, and it's interesting that you say that, Tom, because I uh, had, some, had an opportunity last week to, to talk to Hal Sutton. And Hal talked about how you can work a really long time on a golf swing change. You can work a really long time and hit thousands of golf balls and barely see a little bit of a change. That's how hard it is to make a golf swing change. So, so I get here's, it. Here's the funny thing. You know, and, and there's, you're talking about a world-class, you know, Hal and I played college golf at the same time. So I played some golf with Hal in, in college. I know how fun of a player he was. Obviously, it's well-documented as a tour player and a major championship winner, how good Hal was. Um, so he, he's right on. And, it, you know, it, it takes a lot of time. And here's what's funny that happens. You'll see this happen in this order. You'll, when you're making a change that starts taking root, the ball flight will change first. You'll go, wow, that was different. The compression was different. Boy, that felt better off the face. I got the ball to turn over, you know, a little bit more into control of my trajectory, my shape. Wow, I'm really good. That felt a little different. I felt this in my golf, and I felt a different sensation. Man, this is really good. Then you look at the video and you go, boy, it's hardly, it's really not that different at all. It only looks a little bit different. But it, the ball is so much better because the, the the fine line of game improvement is just that. It's a fine line. And if you can just change the sensation just a little bit, you can get the player to feel something a little bit different, the ball will be miraculously better. The video might not look, you know, world-class better. You may might not look like Hogan tomorrow. But but the Christmas scare from day one and the Christmas scare from day 14, sensations are different and the ball is different when we're off to the races. Good stuff. Good stuff. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it, and I, I intend to work on it every day and see uh, see where it is. And then hopefully in a couple of weeks, I'll send you another video, and, and maybe it's a little bit better. And here's what I want, Chris. I want I want video from you two weeks, just like you sent it. You know, one face on, one down the line, just like you sent them. And you, you're gonna you're gonna you know, the best thing for you to do is simultaneously as you send the video, send me an email as well with just a little description of what you're feeling, what you're going through, whatever's problematic, whatever's positive about what's going on, what any sensations you're having, anything you're seeing as patterns, so I can understand what's going on inside you know inside the coconut between your ears. And also then look at the video and kind of go, oh, yeah, now I understand why he's feeling that or sensing that. And I can make better determination. All right. Deal. I will do that. Okay. Tom, that's, let's, let's... Chris, that's how I handle everybody with V1. Anybody that is, is on V1 with me and using my V1 platform, you know, as we, as we move into the relationship, I start to ask him, listen, you know, as we go forward, send me a little email too. Tell me what you're feeling, what you're sensing. And you know, explain what you're going through. I, I see video, but I want to know what's going on in between the in between the years too. And and that's what I want uh, our listeners to also hear, Tom, because this wasn't just a simple. You looked at the video and you sent me a text message and you said, "Here's what you got to do." 
you have the ability to you're putting in lines, you're you're drawing things on the screen, you're giving me you know your critique or your analysis, you know talking over the video, you're also sending me uh, tips that that is specific just for what I'm going through or what I need to change. So talk about how specific and how um, personal, for that matter, the V1 and the V1 descriptions that you provide really are. Well, that, Chris, that's a great point. That, that's a great question. And, he, and this is great for the listener, too. So I think one of the things that makes me a little different with the way I use V1 with my students, my remote students, my virtual students, is this. You know, I do want communication by email, too. Okay, I, I want to hear what you're going through. I want to hear you voice what you're feeling and, and sensing as you go through this process, number one. So I want that line of communication, not just the visual I get from you in the video, but I want you to email me and tell me, you know, how you're feeling about the whole process. And two, like you saw, I have about 450 drills that I filmed in a, in a TV studio behind my V1 video that I can attach seamlessly to your video. And I said, Chris, stay tuned. This video, this, this tip's going to play. This drill's going to play. Here's your homework for the week. As you saw in your video when it came back, I attached a couple of drills and, and, uh, and explanations for you that, that, that played seamlessly for you. And then what I also did is after I sent you the video, because I had your email address, I then loaded a bunch of still pictures and a couple of different things that I wanted to send you also. Because in my files here, besides my V1 file, separate from that, I have 16,000 videos and about 12,000 still pictures of different examples of things I want people to see and sense that I sent you also from, from those files. So they, the student not only gets Tom Patry's knowledge and Tom Patry's 40 years of experience in the V1 platform and those video drills I've attached to those platforms, but he also gets the library, uh, Tom's private library, which is, you know, is 40 years deep. Uh, in both video and film and, and still pictures that I can send examples of different things to create images and, and visual understanding of what I'm asking for. That's the, that's the, the point I wanted to get across is this is a complete package and a lot of information that can help me and, and everybody that, uh, that you're able to provide. So this is a, a personalized lesson that uh, allows, uh, in, in my estimation, me to get better quicker. It's not like being with you on the practice tee, but it's pretty darn close, I think. Well, that, that's, that's the point, Chris. My goal when I, when I started is I looked at the platform and I said, okay, it's a pretty good platform, great technology, allows me to do this, this, and this. But I, I want to make this, each time somebody sends me a video, as close as I possibly can to make that student feel like they're with me in the same room or they're with me on the lesson tee. So how do I do that? And I started compiling, you know, again, you know, again, we're going back 40 years now, pictures and videos and, and articles. I think I sent you a couple of articles too, didn't I? You did. Yeah. So I, I've got, I've got, you know, 150 different articles I've written for different magazines for the years that I've cataloged because they're different topics. And if I say, Hey, you know, that, that article relates to what Chris and I did tonight. Boom. I'm going to throw him that article too, because I'm trying to educate the golfer. Okay. So he can understand his golf journey better. Not just this is this is not just a one lesson, look at the video, try to do this, give it a give it a shot, because this is no. We're gonna build the golfer with his knowledge of his golf game, his golf swing, and the cause and effect of why he hits good golf shots and why he hits the occasional bad shot. Why I want him to understand the biggest word in golf. Why? I want him to know why things happen, 
why they go wrong and why they go right so he can correct things you know when he's on the golf course but doesn't you know doesn't eat up his whole round he understands how to fix things in his golf game tom one more before i let you go and i want to switch gears just a little bit i want to get your thoughts on the golf ball itself i think most of us when we're watching a golf tournament or what have you, we're looking at our favorite player. Oh, what golf ball does he play? You know, we, we're looking at, uh, you know, someone that uh, hits a golf ball a long way. Oh, what golf ball does she play? What golf ball does he play? Right? We're, we're, we're looking at, at professionals and we're making our judgment to use that golf ball because of what we saw on television. <laughs> or mm-hmm. we, we make the judgment in our head. Well, the $45 golf ball must be way better than the $30 golf ball or it wouldn't be $45. Talk about golf ball fitting and really figuring out what the right golf ball is for our swing. Uh, I tell you, that, that's a, Chris, that is such a great question. Um, and, and you know how prejudiced I am and you know where I'm going with this before you yep. kind of teed me up here. I, I've been, you know, on, on the Titles Leadership Advisory Board now for, you know, most of my professional career, I'm going back a lot of years with Titleist. Um, and I was very, very privileged on, on a number of occasions to be invited up to headquarters in Cushman, Massachusetts and, you know, and go through ball plant one, um, where today, um, the Pro V1 is made. And, you know, I was, I, I go all the way back to the blot of 392 and, you know, I went through the whole evolution of the golf ball. Uh, what I call the modern golf ball from the time I was a senior in college at Florida Southern to, to present. Matter of fact, I was up there, uh, as you know, I was up there in the fall when I had my, my knee operation in New York. Right before I had the knee operated on New York, I spent uh, a day up at, at Titleist uh, in October and revisited the plant again then and went through a fitting up there. Both a, I just revisited a golf ball fitting for myself as well as a club fitting because because we change, right? We, we do, but there's a thing called the aging process going on. And I don't generate the same club head speed today as I did uh, when I won the NCAA in, in 81. Uh, how, how could I? It's, it's a physical impossibility. So um, the golf ball has come so far, Chris. It's, you know, it's the only piece of equipment that is the same on every shot we hit during the round. We change club, right? Every shot, just about, it must be two putt of green. We hit a driver, we hit a fairway wood, we hit a fair, an iron, we hit a hybrid. So we're changing clubs all the time. But it's the same golf ball every time. We putt a golf ball, it's the same golf ball every time. So it's the one piece of equipment that's going to be with us in every shot we hit from the first tee to the 18th green. So it, it better be a pretty reliable product. And by reliable, I mean, you know, based on our swing speed, based on how often we hit the golf ball on the club face, does the golf ball perform? Does it perform distance-wise? Does it perform direction-wise? Does it perform from a spin rate standpoint? Can we control the trajectory? How much does the wind affect our golf ball? These are all factors that have to be considered, okay? So when, when people, and it amazes me that in 2020, that there are a lot of people out there that still haven't gone through a club fitting let alone a golf. They, they, you know, most people play the golf ball that either their favorite tour player plays, like you said earlier, or that their buddy in their foursome plays. Well, he's playing blind too, you know? So I, I think the first thing people should do is go online and read and educate themselves, you know? And I don't care what brand of golf ball you want to play, although I do care, of course, 
there's only one golf ball in the plenty you should be playing. It should be titles. Um, but there are a lot of good golf balls on, on, on the market now. There's, there's a lot of golf balls that are, you know, second, third, and fourth that are still nice golf balls that are titles. But they, well, let's leave that alone for a second. But every one of these companies has a family. Of, I call them a family of golf balls. And there's slightly different constructions to those golf balls, you know, whether it's a difference in dimple design or, or the material the cover is made of or what the, what, the, what the core of the golf ball, how the core of the golf ball is constructed. And it all causes, all those things cause the golf ball to do different things based on what you're able to do with your golf club when it strikes the golf ball. The only thing the golf ball knows at the moment of impact is what the club tells it to do, whether it's heel contact or toe contact, high in the face, low in the face, center in the face contact angle of attack, swing speed, you know, path and face, you know, conditions, okay, or all influence the golf ball. But apples to apples, you need something that fits your golf game, okay? And you need to find out what golf ball that is, and you, and you need to stick with that golf ball. Uh, and, and one of the reasons I want to go back and, and brag on my friends at Titles again is they have a whole family of golf balls. Um, they have a long menu of golf balls. If you went on to titles.com, and you went through Pro V1 and Pro V1X and, you know, and I'll go right down the line to every golf ball that they make. It's, you know, eight or 10 or 12 golf balls deep. They're all slightly different in their construction. And you can find something that fits you. Now, you might read a description and think, oh, that one sounds like it's for me. But don't go by just what you read. Go test it. And go test it against your second choice, for example. And when I say test it, I don't mean hit five shots at one, five shots at the other. Go out in the golf course at about four o'clock in the afternoon by yourself and hit 10 drivers off of a tee, five with each ball and do that four holes in a row and then make it a turn. Hit, hit, you know, five second shots into a green with one golf ball, five second shots into a green with a second golf ball and, and look for patterns over five or six or seven holes doing that. Chip the golf ball, putt the golf ball and, and, and really, you know, hit a lot of shots before you make up your mind. Well, that's outstanding advice, and and, um, and and I think that's great about going out late and giving it more than that. Because I think what we'll do typically is we'll, we may put one on each in our pocket. You know, we'll we'll hit a couple of shots, and then you know, while well, that one went further, so that's that's the one. Right, and that's right. not the way to right. do it. And and, I, and I'll tell you the second, Chris. You know, I do this for people inside here too all the time, but they'll come out and they'll say, "Can can I can I hit some balls?" You know, on track, man, with the golf ball. So, yeah, that's, that's a great way to quantify, you know, you know, and the great thing about this studio I'm going to put in, in the house here is that I can now control the environment, right? And I can have you hit 25 or 30 shots with one ball and 25 or 30 shots with the second ball on track, man. And we can look at carry distance. We can look at overall distance. We can look at spin rates. We can look at side spin. We can look at launch angles all with these golf balls with deep data, meaning hitting 20, 30, 40 shots with a particular ball and then 20, 30, 40 shots with a second ball. And, and, and really now it takes, you know, what takes out of it. The greatest thing to take out of things like this, take the opinion out. I don't want to know your opinion. I want to know the facts. Just give me the numbers and tell me what really performs better for me over the course of a deep database, a lot of shots being struck. That's what, one of the things, tra- TrackMan is a great, great tool to use to test the golf ball. Well, Tom, before I let you go, let our listeners know, now that you're building this a wonderful, sounds like, facility in your garage, 
and and about V1 Golf. Talk about how they can get a hold of you and get lessons for themselves. Yeah, Chris. I mean, as you know, social media. And we're on all platforms. We're on we're on two pages on Facebook. We're on Twitter. We're on LinkedIn. We're on Instagram. Um, and I and I I got to publicly make an apology to Chris Mascaro because I started Uh-oh. an Instagram I started an Instagram live show which is going to be now on Thursday night at eight o'clock. Okay? There you go. So I put, because I got yelled at because I I I lost <laughs> my mind. I did one on a Tuesday night and I got yelled at. And I, and I, and I, and I deserved it too, by the way. Um, so I apologize for that, but I'm going to do this Instagram live on Thursday nights at eight o'clock. And I got a, a bunch of great guests coming on a bunch of tour players, media people, some celebrities. Christmas Sarah is going to be on. He doesn't know that yet at some point. Cause we got to get wow. a visual on Christmas. We got to get a visual on Christmas Carol, but I got some LPGA tour players. I got some PGA tour players coming on. I got some golf channel people coming on. Um, some USGA people. It's going to be, it's going to be a nice show. Um, but Thursday night's eight, but that's, so I'm on Instagram, I'm on Facebook, I'm on LinkedIn, I'm on Twitter. People can find me. And of course, my website is very simply tompatry.com. Um, and the studio, the home studio should be up and running. I hope, you know, fingers crossed that everything goes well, uh, within two weeks. And that's going to be the dry run. We're going to get some guinea pigs in there and test all the equipment out and make sure we're, we're all hitting on all cylinders. But, you know, obviously the goal is to get back outdoors at some point. But, you know, right now the, the goal is to stay safe and keep people safe and control the environment. Um, and and then hopefully, Chris, if things open up this summer and you know, we can move in, I'm still scheduled to go on the road to be in Indiana a week a month starting in June in the Indianapolis area at Prairie View. I'm still scheduled to be a week a month at Saratoga National in Saratoga, New York, uh, a week a month, June through September. Um, and I've got some guest schools at different locations across the country. So, you know, God willing, this, this, uh, this world calms down a little bit. Those things will still happen. And then I'll come home in between those stints and teach uh, indoors here during the summer at the house. Yeah. Other than that, I got nothing to do with this. I, I'm, I got nothing more. <laughs> I look forward to seeing the, uh, the pictures. Hopefully you'll be posting some pictures of what the, uh, the indoor studio looks like at the house. I'm like, I'm interested yeah. to see how that turns out, my friend. Yeah, I think that once we get that up, Chris, what I'm going to do is I'm going to do all the Instagram live shows from from the stu- from the studio, you know, from from the garage studio, go. and uh, yeah, so everybody will get a, a pretty good picture of what that looks like. So, hey, Chris, let me say something before we we cut off here. Thank you. Uh, okay. You know, I listened to Donnie before before me tonight, and Donnie and I played some mini tour golf against each other. He's a hell of a player. He was a, he was a hell of a player. That tour school he went through where he crushed those guys. I think by 14. Is that right? That's right. Did he win that? Yeah, fourteen. I re- I remember that tour school actually. Um, he was a hell of a player. He had some. He, he, there was a Space Coast. There's a there's a mini tour called Space Coast Golf Tour back in the day. It was in the Orlando area, and Donnie was a regular there before he got his tour card. And he shot some incredibly low scores. So it was fun to kind of listen to him again. Uh, I don't see those guys very much anymore, but he was a heck of a player. And Jim Estes is a heck of a teacher. And you always put great guests on, and we thank you for having us on. It's a great show and. We, we, we all love it. Uh, I appreciate you very much, TP. And Jim Estes had some nice things to say about you, too. We were talking about you prior to the show, and he had a lot of really good things to say about you. So as I passed along my, you know, your hello to him, he wanted me to do the same. So that's great. That's a lot great. of respect uh, you know, with, with the guest tonight. So that's fantastic. TP, I can't thank you enough, my friend. You're the best. Can't, uh, can't wait Thanks, to catch Chris. up with you again soon. And I'll be getting some more video your way, hopefully a little bit better this time. Yeah, please do, Chris. Thanks a lot. Good night, buddy. I see, but that's a great Tom Patrick, folks. Uh, 
Patrick is P-A-T-R-I. So uh, Tom Patrick Golf on uh, or TomPatrick.com is his website at Tom Patrick on uh, on social media as well. And I, and I can't I can't encourage you enough. If you're looking to get some help with your game, download the V1 Golf app. It's in it's like whether it's you know on the iPhone or on your Android, and then get signed up. And then you can you know you it, there's an app right within it that allows you to videotape your swing. And TP asked, you know, hey, give me something down the line and then give me something face on. So I gave him both both of those views and then submit it. And you can submit it to whatever instructor you want. And in this case, you certainly want it to go to Tom Patry. So you submit it to Tom. And then within, you know, really within, I, I want to say an hour, maybe it was two tops. He came back with all of the instruction that I needed. He can't drawing lines and all that sort of stuff. Like, look, you need to flare your feet out here, drew lines. Hey, look, uh, put this line here. Look at how far your hips slide. Hey, your, your, your right hand is, is too strong. I need your right hand over here. Right. So he gave me all of those things. And then like we talked about on top of that, he sent me emails. He sent me other videos that, that were tailor made to what I was doing wrong so that I could get a visual part. I could read up on it as well. It's, it's, it's a fantastic thing. It, it's very, it's very affordable. It's, you know, I, I, I don't know what oh, I can't remember what I paid. I think it's like 60 bucks to get, get the V1 app and get all signed up. And then you, you do your lessons on top of that, but it, it's very affordable and it's very personalized and it gives you something to, Oh, by the way, you can refer back to because that stays, you have a locker within the V1 app. So all of those videos stay in your locker. So you can go back and review them and, and, uh, and, and see how you're doing. So. Go find it, go download it, and get Tom to be your instructor. As you guys know from week in and week out, he is the very best there is. It is time for me to put a bow on this edition of Next on the T. I want to send out my sincere thanks again to Jim Estes, Donnie Hammond, and Tom Patrick for joining me. Please check out our uh, our website, nextonthetea.net. On there, you'll be able to keep up to date with what our guest schedule looks like. You'll also be able to stream or download any of our archive episodes because we link back to our page over on podcast.co, and that's C-O, so it's not com, it's co, podcast.co. You can stream it on our website, or you can get linked back over to podcast.co, and we've got all of our archive episodes sitting over there. We've also got them available for you on Apple Podcasts, on Google Podcasts, on Podbean, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Audioboom, Player.fm. We've got all those shows out there, so if you've got a particular podcasting site that's your favorite, you'll be able to find us on there as well. Folks, thank you for choosing to listen to this show again this week. We really appreciate the fact that you continue to make Next on the Tee a part of your golfing, uh, your golfing content. Until next week, hit them straight, my friends.